Psalm 110, these are the words of God. A Psalm of David. Yahweh said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstool. Yahweh shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. In the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. Yahweh has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He shall execute kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the nations. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall execute the heads of many countries. He shall drink of the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he shall lift up the head. Amen. This ends the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. It's a very important psalm uh, by the number of places that it is quoted in the New Testament, but not just the number of places where it's quoted, uh, but the many different things that the New Testament scriptures uh, show out of this psalm or show from this psalm. The Lord Jesus uh, himself in I believe it's Matthew 19 uh, later on in the chapter, but uh, the Lord Jesus himself for sure makes much of the fact that it is a psalm of David. It's a good time for us to remember that uh, the superscripts, uh, if you have a New King James, not the, or at least in my copy, not the all caps stuff that has been added by editors uh, here. So mine has announcement of the Messiah's reign, and Ezekiel says, pray, um, uh, same thing, announcement of the Messiah's reign. So that must be a very specific New King James uh, thing. That's not Holy Scripture. But the superscripts, the superscript right below it, a Psalm of David, uh, that is Holy Scripture. And in fact, it is part of the first verse. There's not a significant break uh, between the superscript uh, and the rest of the first verse. Sometimes the superscript is a verse all by, uh, by itself. So our English verse 1 would be uh, Hebrew verse 2. Uh, however, in this case, a psalm of David is very closely connected to Yahweh said to my Lord. Uh, and when the Lord Jesus refers to this, and he's challenging them with how can David's son be David's Lord, be greater than David, uh, the Lord Jesus says, David says this by the Holy Spirit. He reminds us of the way that Holy Scripture comes to us, not so much upon the wisdom and virtue of the human author, although it is by the instrument or the instrumentality of the human author, but especially by the wisdom and virtue of God, the Holy Spirit. And so uh, the Lord Jesus says, uh, David says by the Holy Spirit, and then um, a verse or two later, he says, David himself says, uh, and underlines uh, the, that David was the one in particular that the Holy Spirit used to write this, which is very important because we come in the rest of the verse then to hear, Yahweh said to my Lord, that is the one about whom David is speaking, is his own Lord. And this tells us that Jesus is higher than David. Uh, Peter, when he quotes this verse, uh, points out that David did not ascend into heaven, 
but it was to David's Lord that Yahweh said, sit at my right hand. So Jesus is uh, is higher than David. And then Hebrews chapter 1 uses this verse to say Jesus is not just higher than David. Jesus is higher than the angels, which of course in glory at the right hand of God, he sits actually above the angels. And that is one of the great themes of Hebrews chapter 1 as it's making the point that the Lord Jesus is not a creature. He is creator. He is God. He is Yahweh. Uh, Yahweh the Son, uh, who has added creatureliness to himself, that he might redeem us, and that he, as the one to whom we are united, might take his seat above even the angels. And so how exalted the Lord Jesus is. But notice that David speaks of this already in the preterite, in the past tense indicating that David's son, who is David's Lord, existed before David. Or, uh, lest we uh, bring him into time who is from outside of time, he exists before David. Uh, just as when Jesus says Abraham was glad to see this his day, uh, and uh, the Pharisees, the Jews, oppose him and say, you are not yet 40 years old. Uh, and Jesus says, not before Abraham uh, was, I was, but before Abraham was, I am. Uh, and so there's so much, just a few words uh, into this uh, glorious psalm. Uh, psalm of David, Yahweh said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Now that is not saying that Jesus is going to be dethroned when the enemies are made his footstool. Rather, uh, Jesus will sit on the throne, and if he sits on the throne while they are being made his footstool, uh, how much more shall he be enthroned forever and ever as the King of kings uh, and the Lord of lords? Uh, and behold, then, the patience of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is not anxious about how the extension of the kingdom is going. He is not worried about how the gathering in of the saints is going. Uh, he is not nervous uh, about the kings who have raised themselves up as his enemies. No, uh, in joy and cheerfulness, he patiently awaits the perfect working of his father. Of course, his father says, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. And the perfect fellowship and love and knowledge of the faithfulness of his father. He glorifies his father by the patience with which he sits in royal confidence upon the throne. Um, while the spirit who goes forth from the father and from the son brings about the subjection uh, of all the enemies. And bless God, we too were among these enemies. Uh, although, as we'll get to verse 3, we'll find out how Jesus exercise, exercised and exercises his kingship over us as his enemies are brought underneath them. Uh, but then later in the psalm, especially in verse 5 and 6, we see how dreadful it is uh, if you do not come under the Lord Jesus as someone who is willing and glad uh, to own him as your king. One thing that... 
this reminds us then in verse 1 that uh, there are enemies, there are going to be enemies uh, until the last day. Uh, so let us not be surprised when there are enemies of our Lord and of his kingdom. Let us not be surprised when they are rebellious and are refusing, uh, rejecting his kingship, uh, because the scripture has told us that his enemies continue uh, even now to be made his footstool. Uh, as uh, Hebrews chapter 2 says, we do not yet see all things put under his feet. This does not mean that we doubt whether they will be. Uh, it means that we can identify where we are in Psalm 110. We are still in the phase in which his enemies are being made his footstool. Yahweh shall st- send or a better translation of that verb in this case. Sometimes it may uh, mean send, uh, but in this case, Yahweh is not letting go of the rod of strength. So uh, this word is, is very well translated, actually more often means stretch out or extend. So Yahweh shall extend or stretch out the rod uh, and the word that's uh, translated here, rod, can be generically used of rod, but in a case like this, it is often translated scepter, uh, the special rod, the special, uh, well, uh, when we say stick, it makes it sound like it's wood, but in this case, it's probably gold, uh, at least in the imagery. Yahweh shall extend the scepter of your strength out of Zion. Uh, notice uh, that Yahweh and the king are one. It is the king's strength, rule in the midst of your enemies, and yet it is also Yahweh's scepter. Uh, this is a great king indeed, who rules even by the extension of the scepter of Yahweh in Yahweh's hand. Uh, and so we don't just see that he's exalted above David, and he's exalted above the angels in verse 1, but even that he is one with Yahweh in verse 2. And so starts to form a picture of just who this king is, uh, which of course is behind the Lord Jesus' wonderful invitation to us to reflect upon this psalm as he's making, uh, as he's revealing himself uh, as the, the Lord Yahweh, the creator, the one true God in the flesh. Uh, and he asks them because at that time, although uh, at that time, all the Jews understood that this was a messianic psalm uh, that David was uh, singing and uh, prophesying uh, about the forever king who was to come uh, from him. Uh, although following the, the coming of Christ, uh, the Jews backed off uh, seeing this psalm as messianic, they started uh, considering it to be kind of an idealized psalm about David himself, maybe a wishful thinking or a please let it be this way sort of thing. Uh, but that was because they were rejecting Christ, uh, that they changed their uh, interpretation. But in this case, uh, the Lord Jesus invites us to consider, what does Psalm 110 really mean? Can't you see that the son of David is higher than David? Can't you see that he uh, he sits at the right hand and so he's higher than angels? 
Can't you see that he and Yahweh wield one scepter together? And so he is the Lord, uh, which is just marvelous when you think of uh, what he has done in his human nature. The Lord himself, the creator, is the one who has obeyed in our place. The Lord himself, the creator, gave himself, took to himself a creaturely nature as well so that he might die, so that he might suffer and be punished and die uh, in our place. Um, so you have the great glory uh, of Christ uh, in the first two verses. In the third verse, you have uh, the great uh, salvation of Christ. Your people shall be volunteers. Uh, in fact, the word that's translated volunteers is a word that almost everywhere else is translated free will offerings. Uh, it is, as Romans 12, uh, we look forward very soon now in the midweek sermons to hearing, instructs us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Or, uh, or Peter describes us as living stones being brought together into a holy temple to offer spiritual sacrifices, to offer even uh, ourselves uh, in spiritual sacrifice, in the praying, the singing, the hearing, and so forth. Uh, what you do in the worship when you gather, or what you ought to be doing, and what I hope you are seeking from God to always be growing and doing uh, as we gather for the congregational worship, is offering your heart, offering your mind, offering your soul, offering your whole self to God as spiritual sacrifice. Uh, and then that... Uh, that which he gives us to do in the public worship uh, shapes and colors and defines for us how the whole rest of our living uh, is going to be um, to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. But praise God uh, for this reminder in verse 3 that this comes not by force of our effort, but by the grace of the power of the Lord Jesus, that what part of his kingly rule, his kingly power, is giving us willingness, making us to be free will offerings. Uh, this, is, uh, this is the true sovereign grace of the Bible that is reflected in what uh, we call Reformed theology or Calvinism. Uh, not uh, that, that there is no willingness in those whom God saves, but that he gives them willingness by the greatness uh, of his power. Uh, in the generosity, the goodness of his grace. So your people shall be free will offerings in the day of your power. Uh, and there are many uh, variations, uh, various ways that people have translated, different versions have translated, different commentators have translated the rest of verse 3. Thankfully, uh, New King James has gone fairly literally here uh, because it really is about Christ himself. The the camera, as it were, shifts uh, in the beginning of verse 3, your people shall be volunteers. And so there's this giant army of those whom he has taken to himself, delivered by himself, and you see what a good king he is uh, and how worthy of love and how worthy of being followed and admired. Uh, and the, and what a powerful king he is that he has given to his people to respond to his worthiness by how 
eager those are who follow him. And oh, may God by his spirit, may Christ by his spirit give us that eagerness. But then uh, after uh, taking in how willing all of his hosts are uh, that he here is leading, uh, the camera shifts to him himself, to his holiness, to his continually fresh life, uh, the the glory and the beauty of the king here, in the beauty in the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth, uh, and the poetry uh, describing uh, the the morning time when everything is newly fresh and newly alive, uh, with the word picture of a womb from which life is continually coming forth, uh, and uh, and the wet hair or the the dew upon the hair of the uh, of the vigorous man and in this case the vigorous king and the vigorous warrior uh, who is up and at him early uh, and there he is in all the freshness of life Jesus is the king of life uh, and his life never diminishes it's always uh, it's always fresh it's always new it's always at the height uh, of his vigor uh, as we'll see uh, that image repeated a little bit or rhymed maybe a little bit uh, with verse 7. Uh, and so the, the glory of Jesus as deliverer. So you have the glory of Jesus as the God King in verse 1 and 2. The glory of Jesus as deliverer uh, in verse 3. The glory of Jesus uh, as priest uh, in verse 4. Yahweh has sworn and will not relent. The, the Lord, of course, uh, there is nothing that can make uh, his word more sure. He, uh, he gives us not even so much that the Son uh, may know that God's word is sure, but uh, to encourage and strengthen our faith in the Lord Jesus as our priest. Uh, because we cannot see him now where he has gone. Uh, the king uh, from the, the first half, or maybe a little bit less than half, well, the first third, really, uh, of the book of Hebrews uh, is also the priest of the last two-thirds uh, of the book of Hebrews. Uh, and we can't see him where he is now. If, if we if we could, uh, we would hope that would be such a help to us, but uh, we mustn't be so proud as to think that if our faith lacks without sight, that it would be stronger with sight. Uh, and so we want the Lord to increase our faith to know, to perceive by faith that King Jesus, who has delivered us, is also our priest who intercedes for us. That what he does with this indestructible uh, life that verse that verse 3 uh, was describing is intercedes for us. He always lives to intercede for us. Uh, and he is a, uh, by the power of his indestructible life. And that's why he's able to save us to the uttermost. Well, the Lord strengthens our faith then, gives something to us to help strengthen our faith uh, by uh, taking this oath. Yahweh has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Uh, Melchizedek, who uh, many read and uh, believe it's just a man whose who's prior and subsequent uh, kingliness and priesthood and actions uh, are omitted from Scripture in order to 
uh, to make him a type of Christ. Uh, but it is strange indeed that there would be this great king uh, who is aloof from uh, the entire civil war, or the entire world war that took place in the ancient Near East uh, immediately uh, prior to that, and uh, that there would be this great priest who is higher than Abraham, uh, and all the while God is speaking to Abraham as if he is uh, the most chosen man on earth in whom all of God's plan of redemption and from whom all of God's plan of redemption is going to be worked out. Uh, I think it's probably a much better reading uh, of Genesis and Hebrews and here in Psalm 110 uh, to understand Melchizedek as a Christophany. His name means king of righteousness. And he's also called the king of Salem or the uh, the king of peace. Yeah, and so uh, there is this appearance of the king whose priesthood has already begun uh, and this is the uh, this is the case for the Lord Jesus, although the human part of his priesthood in which he is actually accepted on our behalf and able to offer sacrifice on our behalf, which of course he had to be a human to be the proper sacrifice for us, that hasn't begun yet. But in the decree of God, when the Father elects to redeem, and uh, in the, the in that wonderful uh, covenant to of redemption in which the Father. Uh, elects to redeem and uh, the son commits uh, to save those to be the redeemer the lord jesus is already uh, acting or functioning uh, as it were uh, as a priest to us Uh, and everything that happens uh, in the creation he is creating by his spirit uh, with a view to uh, the redemption that he is going to accomplish by himself entering the creation adding creatureliness to himself uh, and so the uh, the appearance of melchizedek uh, is uh, at least uh, in in my view uh, an actual appearance of christ himself appearing as a man though not yet having taken the form uh, the uh, the actual nature uh, of a man to himself and so this priesthood that had no beginning, it certainly can have no end. Uh, it's not like the priesthood of Aaron, uh, uh, son of Levi, who was in the loins of Abraham when Abraham paid a tithe uh, to Melchizedek. Uh, now the priesthood of Aaron must end uh, with the end of the administration that is under Moses. Uh, so just as Jesus is the king who is higher than David, uh, and the prophet who is higher than Moses, he's also the priest. Uh, who is higher uh, higher than Aaron. And what that means for us is that his intercession for us, his pleading the merits of his sacrifice for us will never run out. He will never stop being a priest for us. Uh, and of course, the sacrifice that he offered, being him himself, will never run out uh, of worthiness and value uh, to plead for us, atone for us, bring us near, consecrate us uh, to uh, to the Lord. Uh, and so here is uh, the king who uh, is not just leading his people out of the world, having delivered us from bondage to sin and bondage to Satan and from every earthly tyranny that there is, uh, as glorious as what Jesus, uh, our king, leads us out of, even more glorious is what Jesus, our king, leads us unto, because he leads us 
as the forever priest. And he leads us unto God himself. He brings us to where he is, seated at the right hand of God. Well, in order for him to bring this to uh, final fruition, we see him as final judge. Uh, and the scene uh, in uh, in verses 5 and 6 is the scene uh, really in Revelation 19. We're moving now uh, from uh, the book of Hebrews into the book of Revelation, uh, as it were, uh, with uh, King Jesus the Lord, verse 5, uh, at the right hand. Uh, and this is probably David at this point. Uh, praying uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, prophesying the the Lord is at your right hand, uh, just as God said to him, uh, or Yahweh said to him to do it, uh, said to David's Lord to take his seat, uh, verse 1, so also uh, David's Lord takes the seat uh, that he has been commanded to, takes that authority, executes his wrath. It's very similar to uh, the movement in Psalm 2, uh, where uh, the Lord Jesus reports uh, the command that is given to him uh, as the eternally uh, begotten Son uh, to, uh, to ask of God and receive the nations as his inheritance and, uh, and to smite uh, with his rod of iron uh, and shatter all of his uh, all of his enemies, uh, all of these rebellious kings, all of the nations into smithereens. And that's what we see in verses 5 and 6. Uh, David, uh, seeing the obedience of Christ, and by the time the obedience of Christ has brought him in his session to the right hand of God, the session just means sitting, brought him to the place where he is sitting at the right hand of God. The obedience of Christ uh, has first taken place in his humbling himself, in his incarnation, and in his earthly obedience, obeying God completely, continually, perfectly. And he's humbled himself even to the point of the death on the cross and humiliating himself. Uh, and so he's obeyed in that way. And he's obeyed in rising again from the dead. And he's obeyed in ascending into heaven. And now there he is, uh, as David sees him in verse 5. Uh, at the right hand of God, knowing exactly what he will do. He shall execute, uh, and the word literally means uh, uh, strike through uh, or smite. Uh, there's not just the, uh, the mortality of the blow, but the uh, completeness and even the ease with which he does it. Uh, and that also uh, reminds us of uh, Revelation 19, doesn't it, with the Lord Jesus um, uh, slaying all of his enemies just by the sword uh, that comes out of his mouth. How complete and total is his power and how righteously and justly he executes that power in vengeance. Oh, that we would see uh, how good the king is who uh, invites all to be these volunteers who are with him instead of these enemies who are against him. Uh, and these are your only two choices, that Jesus would be your enemy who slaughters you, or that he would be your king uh, who is also your priest and brings you to God and 
uh, intercedes for you uh, forever. How much better to have him uh, as our priest, as the one uh, whose life is continually fresh for us, uh, as he leads us, the one who has given us uh, the willing hearts. Uh, and yet he will take his vengeance uh, in the day of his wrath. Filling the place with dead bodies also resonates with Revelation 19 and there being you know, the, the place filled with the dead bodies and the beasts and the bir- birds gorging themselves uh, upon the dead in that, uh, in that word picture. Uh, and so however great the king is, even the heads of many countries, uh, verse 6. And in this case, uh, not meaning uh, so much, although it is true and it is covered uh, by verse 6, uh, uh, individual uh, heads of individual countries, but even those who were the great kings who were able to subdue other nations, they are no match for King Jesus. Uh, indeed, uh, verse 7 shows us uh, a refreshed king uh, drinking from the brook, uh, head lifted up, still uh, you know, strength not diminished, uh, looking to uh, the continuation uh, of his uh, just and powerful uh, rule. N- not, uh, yeah, not exhausted uh, like uh, Gideon uh, after the battle. Uh, when when they when they stop and uh, and drink exhausted and continuing no uh, the Lord Jesus is continuing uh, but not exhausted uh, and so here is the picture of Jesus exalted uh, as the the God King Jesus exalted as the saving King Jesus exalted as the priest King uh, and Jesus exalted. Uh, as the victorious king, the Lord uh, giving us this psalm and having given his people this psalm, that they might, until Christ came, hunger for who he would be, and when he came, recognize and respond uh, to who he is and whom he displayed himself to be to them. Uh, And yet there are many who saw him uh, and did not see him by faith, and they did not behold his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, and they did not become the willing volunteers. And so let us seek the help of God's Spirit, that we would not be those who get a glimpse of Christ and then reject him with our lives, uh, but rather those who, for whom the Spirit of Christ himself gives us those soft hearts to be his willing volunteers, his eager followers, who are delighted in the holiness, the glory, the inexhaustible life uh, of our King. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our Heavenly Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you and praise you for your Spirit who proceeds from you. And we pray that uh, he would minister to us this portion of your word, uh, that these thoughts and more that are uh, from this passage that we have just begun to scratch the surface of, would delight us, that King Jesus himself would delight us, that we would honor him and worship him, that we would submit to him and follow him, uh, that we would rejoice and exult in him 
that we would trust uh, in in him and come to God through him, uh, that we would be sure and take comfort in his vengeance upon all of his and our enemies. Make the make us to be those, we pray, who kiss the sun before his wrath is kindled but a little, uh, in which we would have been destroyed. Make us part of those blessed ones when you teach us blessed are all who trust in him. Grant to this to us by your spirit, Lord Jesus, we ask, even in your own name. Amen.